0: You are listening to weekly messages from Austin Christian Fellowship. For more information about ACF, visit acfellowship.org. Well, good morning, ACF. I want to welcome everybody that's in the house today. I want to welcome everybody that's joining us online from wherever you are. I am so, so glad that you are here. And I'm not just saying that. Uh, Today, we are going to kick off an amazing series that I hope you guys will stick with us through the whole summer on. My name is Lauren Thurston. I am a pastor here at ACF. I have been on staff for seven years. But my journey with ACF started back in 2005, before probably some of you were born. Um, I have seen ACF as one church, I have seen it with many campuses, and now for it to come back as one campus together, I just have to say, I truly feel like this is our best season yet. I have seen an explosion of spiritual growth. I have seen us go deeper into the word, deeper into worship and prayer. And I just wanna tell you guys, it's such a privilege for me to be able to call you my church. So just thank you guys for everything that you are doing. I love you so much. Uh, Before we dive in today, I want to see if anybody needs a Bible. I I will actually have the scripture on screen for you as well, but if anybody would like to turn to the Bible and you don't have one, just raise your hands. We have our Bible partners coming down the aisle right now to offer those up. And like I said, we are kicking off our brand new series called Signs and Wonders. And this series is going to take us deep into the miraculous. And I'm going to try not to get too animated, but I'm really, really excited about this subject, and I like interaction. So if you guys wanna respond, or you wanna say something back, I'm all for it. Um, I, I love this topic. So I wanna let you guys know what's coming up the next eight weeks in this series. Starting next weekend, we have our prayer pastor, Chris Tapkin, and he's gonna be teaching on the healing of the paralytic. Followed by Emily Boone, who is just up here leading worship, Will's daughter, she's gonna be talking about turning water into wine. Then we have our worship pastor, John David Vasquez, coming back to talk about the messianic miracles, and I will be returning July 2nd to talk to you about my favorite miracle in the whole Bible, which is the raising of Lazarus. July 9th, we've got Kenton Boone talking about the healing of a leper. He is our men's pastor and young adults pastor. Then we've got our kids pastor, Julie Washington, talking about the healing at the Pool of Bethesda. July 23rd, we have Michelle Brigance, our admissions pastor, talking to you guys about healing the royal official's son. And then closing out the service, we have our prayer pastor again, Chris Tapkin, talking about the feeding of the 5,000. These are just some of the miracles mentioned in the word of God and these are the ones that our teaching team has chosen to dive into with you guys this summer i encourage you if you can be here every weekend we have an amazing teaching team i want to invite you to join us if you can't please join us online i don't think you're gonna want to miss any of this because i think a lot of us are waiting for a miracle And this series and this word of God is proof that miracles happen. So I pray that this series is life-changing for everyone that joins us. Before I get started, um, let me go ahead and pray. Father God, I just thank you for this morning. I thank you for this sweet time of worship that you gave us. I thank you for every soul who's in the room and every soul who's joining us online. Holy Spirit, I know you're here. I invite you to move in this moment. I invite you to speak to every single one of us. Tell us what we need to hear from you. And I ask that you would just empty me of myself and fill me with your spirit, God. This is this is your stage. Say whatever it is that you want to say. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so like I said, signs and wonders, diving into the miraculous. To kick off this series, we first need to know what it is when we're talking about a miracle. When we say miracle, what does it mean? And at first, honestly, I thought this was gonna be a real easy definition to hammer out for you guys. I have done a lot of research, I've got a lot of explanations, but then as I started going into the New Testament and the original Greek translation, I'm telling you, I I geeked out over this big time. There are four different words that the New Testament writers use to express miracles. Four different words. And it's not because they're all talking about a different type of miracle. It's because the word that they use to express miracle, it gives you a different perspective. It has a different meaning. It's highlighting a different part of the miracle. So I decided this morning I wanted to share with you guys some of these Greek words that I'm so fascinated by because we could all learn a little more Greek in our life, and I think this is amazing. So here are the four different Greek words for miracle. First, we have ergon, which mainly means the works of God. When, it talks, when the Bible talks about God doing a work or Jesus doing a work, it's using the word ergon. Then we have teros, which is wonder. That's what we experience at the sight of the miraculous. Dunamis is a word used a lot in the Gospels, and that's talking about the power, the miraculous power of God. And the one that I want to press into, to, into today, which is my favorite, is semeon which is the Greek word for signs. And that is what we are going to be looking at as we go to the book of John today. So knowing these four definitions or these four words for miracles, I'm going to go ahead and put up a pretty comprehensive definition on the screen of what a miracle is. When we're talking about a miracle in this series, we are talking about an extraordinary event attributed to the supernatural work of God that transcends the ordinary laws of nature. So in this definition, we've got two parts. We've got the natural which is everything that God created in Genesis. It's the universe, it's the sun, the stars, the, the earth, the animals, the humans, all of that is the natural and it is all bound by space and time. And then we have the supernatural, super nature, meaning it goes beyond the laws of nature. It is not bound by space and time. And I would assert that the natural world is under the authority of the supernatural. God spoke the world and the universe into existence. He can do whatever he wants to in this natural world that we are confined by. So as I'm talking to you guys today about miracles, I'm talking to you about when the supernatural invades the natural when someone who is not bound by time and space enters time and space for a very specific purpose. So we're all on the same page about miracle? Yes, okay. I didn't know how how much you wanted me to go into that, but the next thing I want to talk to you guys about is what purpose do miracles serve? And for this one, I want us to turn to the book of John. And we're going to be going to chapter 20 So the interesting thing about John is it was the last of the gospels written. We have Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. It was written by the apostle John, who was an eyewitness to the many miracles that Jesus performed throughout his lifetime. So this guy saw all of it, and he wrote John, which is often referred to as the book of signs or the signs gospel. And here is what I want to get through to you guys today about the book of John. It's called the book of signs, but it is not a book about signs. It is a book about who the signs point to. All signs point to something. The sign in and of itself is not the destination point. If you find a sign, you don't just stop there. If you're looking, you go to where the sign is pointing, yes? So John's book about signs, semeon, the word we just learned about, is a book about who the signs are pointing to. So in chapter 20, verse 30 and 31, it says, Now Jesus did many other signs, that's that word semeon, in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you will have life in his name. So the purpose, John is only writing about seven of Christ's miracles, culminating in the resurrection of Christ. The purpose of him writing these miracles is what? So that you may believe It's not just to entertain us about the incredible things that Christ did. The purpose is so that we will believe. And why? So that we will have life. And might I add, have it abundantly. The purpose of these miracles. These are life-giving communications from God to man. It reveals who he is, it reveals his power, and it reveals to us how much he loves us. And I think it's interesting because even when you go back to the Old Testament, let's say you look at Moses and the parting of the Red Sea, that was a major miracle. That was something that had never been done before and the people were in awe of it. So why did God do that? If the whole purpose of the miracle was just to save the Israelites, then he could have just not allowed the Egyptians to catch up to him. He could have just created a path around the sea that they could get through. But he didn't do that because it wasn't about just the outcome. He performed the parting of the Red Sea because he's communicating to us, to Moses, to the Israelites, who he is, what he is capable of, and just how he can go beyond, above and beyond anything we could think or imagine. If I approached a sea, I would never think that The way, God's just gonna part it and I'm just gonna walk through it, but that's an incredible display of his power. He is communicating with us through these miracles. And the same thing with Lazarus. Jesus could have just spoken a word while Lazarus was sick, and Lazarus would have healed and come back to, like just healed and start walking around, everything's fine, but Jesus didn't do that. He waited, he allowed Lazarus to die, so that he could reveal who he was and what he is capable of. I love that he didn't take the easy way out on any of these miracles. And we're gonna talk throughout the next eight weeks about all of these incredible miracles that Christ did during his time on earth. But I also wanna tell you guys, in my 40 years, I have seen other miracles. I have seen dead marriages come back to life. I have seen people freed from addiction. I have seen wayward sons and daughters who were way off the beaten path come back to God. I have seen people healed of mental illness. And the greatest thing I've seen is that there's a loving God who takes a rebellious sinner, forgives him, lavishes him with grace, calls him a son, and gives him eternal life that's a miracle that happens every day. So I don't want our perspective of miracles to be just these, this narrow thing about like parting the seas and raising the dead. The miraculous goes far beyond that if we are looking for it. So we've revealed what a miracle is, why, what purpose they serve, which is so that we may believe, I wanna tell you guys what I think miracles require from us. And the first thing is our attention. Because signs are only markers for people who are looking in the right direction. The sign does not matter if you don't see it. If there's a sign telling you to turn into ACF and you blow right past it because you didn't see the sign, that sign had, had no purpose. The sign requires our attention. I like Moses, so I'm going back to Exodus here for a minute. But Moses thought in Exodus 3, he said, I'm going to go over when the bush was burning. He says, I'm going to go over and see this strange sight. Why this bush does not burn up. And when the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush. Moses had to look so that he could be in a place to receive God's message. Miracles require our attention. And I would ask you guys, are we looking? Are we giving God our attention? Are we keeping our eyes open for what he's doing around us? I often wonder if the bush was burning today, Would I be moving too fast to notice it? Would I be, would I notice it and also say, oh, I don't really have time to go over there right now. I've got this schedule. I've got this calendar. I've got all these other things going on. I'll get back to that. Does he have our attention? Would we look? Would we stop? Will and I were talking in the podcast that we were recording this week about I was being stubborn, and I'm like, you know, Moses had a clear communication from God. There was a burning bush, like, and he was calling his name, unmistakable. Why doesn't God talk to me like that? And Will was saying, Moses didn't have the Holy Spirit. The Old Testament guys, they had to wait for these grand communications from God. We have the Holy Spirit, the comforter, the helper who lives with us and communicates to us on a daily basis. We don't have to wait for a burning bush moment to hear from God. We can hear from God any moment of the day when the Holy Spirit resides within us. So then I became grateful that I didn't have to wait for burning bushes. So Pastor Will was right again. The second thing that miracles require is our faith or our belief. We read in our uh, teaching team meeting when all the pastors at ACF come together once a month, we were reading from Mark chapter six, the story about when Jesus returned to Nazareth, his hometown, and the people were offended, offended by him. And it said, Jesus could not, could not, do any miracles there in his hometown, except lay hands on a few sick people and heal them. He was amazed at their lack of faith. Jesus could not perform miracles because of their lack of faith. Why? Because the purpose of, of miracles is so that people would believe. And they had hard hearts. There was kind of a polluted soil at Nazareth in this time. So Jesus, it's not that he would not, it's that he could not because of their lack of faith. Miracles are attracted to our faith. And the cool thing about miracles is they also in turn produce more faith. So it's a cyclical relationship Miracles are attracted to faith. Miracles produce faith. It just goes on and on. And honestly, I think this is one of the reasons we have seen kind of an explosion of faith at ACF during this season. It's because we've started dipping our toes into the miraculous. We've started swinging for the fence in our prayers. Asking God to do what he know, what we know he is capable of doing because of what we know about him through the word. And this brings me to my third point. Miracles don't require this, but miracles are fulfilled by our testimony. And what I mean by that is when you have a miracle or you experience something miraculous or something that God did, it is your responsibility to testify to that miracle because when you do, it raises the faith ceiling of everyone who hears your testimony. And miracles' purposes are fulfilled when they are shared, when they are testified, because our faith goes from here to here. It's like, oh, God did that for that person. Maybe he can do that for me. It is your responsibility to testify when you receive the miraculous because it just tills up that hard soil. It gets people to know what God can do in their lives. Our prayer pastor Chris Tapkin quotes this verse a lot from Revelation 12. He says, we will triumph over the enemy by what? The blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. Do you I mean, do you grasp that? We will triumph over our enemy Satan we will triumph over him by two things the blood of Jesus Christ by which we are saved and the word of our testimony the word of our testimony is our victory the word of our testimony can be the victory for someone else if you have a child that came back a prodigal that returned you share that because there's someone else in this room that's waiting for that exact same thing If your marriage was done and you were ready to sign the divorce papers, or maybe you already did, but you hear some of the testimonies at ACF how people decided not to get divorced or after they got divorced, they got remarried. You hear these things and you're like, oh, that's possible. We are not bound by the natural. We are citizens of the kingdom of heaven and the supernatural can enter our natural world at any given moment. I think we should expect it. I think we should ask for it. Amen, amen. And that is what I want to encourage you guys to do during this series. But I will tell you, there is a hard part about miracles. In my experience, miracles are always preceded by pain. None of us like to walk through pain, but in order to have a healing, there must first be a sickness. In order to have a resurrection, there must first be a death. In order to have a child return home, that child must first go wayward. Miracles happen at the intersection of human suffering and God's love. I wish that wasn't the case, I wish the miracles would happen and I would not have to experience any pain. But I will tell you that enduring the pain is worth it when you see God show up. He could have prevented the pain or he could use the pain for good. So If any of you are walking through a period of suffering, and this has not been an easy season for me, I want to encourage you. I know this sounds like such a church answer. When you are in suffering, you need to pray. You need to pray. And I don't just mean prayers of, God, help me through this. I mean, if you want to cry out to the Lord, if you want to shout, if you just want to tell him this whole situation is nonsense, I need you to show up. God is not scared of what you have to say. He just wants a relationship with you. And if you find yourself in a place when you where you can't pray, you're like physically, and I've been there oh, I cannot pray about this anymore. This suffering is too great. I hope that every single one of you have somebody who can pray for you, who can intercede at the throne of God for you. I've got those people and I have worn out their phone numbers in the last couple months. And I I apologize now when I call them, I'm like, I'm sorry, it's me again, but I'm having another bad day. And they will pray for me. If you don't have those kind of intercesses in your life, I want to tell you guys, there's a prayer barn about 100 yards that way. And we are there Monday through Thursday, 12 to 1 in person for prayer hour. It's also available on Zoom. This is my shameless prayer barn plug because this place is life-changing. Friday is Zoom only. Wednesday night, we have worship. We have seen people get healed at our Wednesday night services in the barn. We have worship during the week. You can make prayer appointments. Don't miss out on this resource because captives get set free through prayer. God hears our prayer. He wants to answer our prayers. So I want you guys to pray, but don't be devoted to the outcome of the prayer. If all you're after is the outcome, it doesn't matter who you pray to. Be devoted to the one and only one who can answer the prayer. Don't chase after the result. Chase after the king. I did this recently where I was going to fast, and I did kind of a quid pro quo thing. I'm like, okay, God, I'm going to fast and do this, and then you're going to do this. It was very transactional, and God was so silent during that fast, He did not not do anything that I asked him to do. I feel like he was just sitting there saying, oh, bless your heart. That's so sweet that you think this is how it works. God wants relationships. He doesn't want transactions. And the minute I quit my fast, I was like, well, this isn't working. That's when God spoke because it had nothing to do with me. I couldn't claim any glory for for myself for what God was doing. I couldn't say, oh, I fasted and then God did this. No, he took me completely out of the equation. Don't seek the outcome, seek the Father. (sighs) This part's kind of hard because there have been prayers that God has answered exactly the way that I wanted him to. And there's been prayers he did not answer the way that I wanted him to. But there's something I can tell you about that. When I get to heaven and I see the greater plan of what God was doing, when he didn't answer things exactly the way Lauren wanted them to go, because Lauren thought she knew best, when I see the greater plan of what he was doing, I'm going to revel in its glory. I may not understand on this side of heaven, but God does, and his ways are higher than mine, and his thinking is higher than mine. So when he doesn't answer a prayer the way I asked him to, it's because he's doing something else, and that something else is also going to be great. But it doesn't mean that we're going to be spared pain. Jesus wasn't. So don't give up on praying. If God doesn't answer one thing the way you want him to, Don't stop. He wants you, he wants your attention, he wants your faith, your belief, he wants your trust that you believe that he knows what's best. I read this quote recently from Tim Keller that I want to share with you guys about miracles, because I think it's just brilliant. Tim says We modern people think of miracles as the suspension of the natural order but Jesus meant them to be the restoration of the natural order. His miracles are not just proofs that he has power, but are also wonderful foretaste of what he is going to do with that power. Jesus' miracles are not just a challenge to our minds, but a promise to our hearts that the world that we want is coming. That's the amazing thing about miracles. I think... Before Genesis 3, before our system was broken, the miraculous just happened. And nobody was like, whoa, that's weird. It was just natural. And when Jesus intervenes in our affairs now, it's just a restoration of the way things were always supposed to be. We are citizens of heaven. When Jesus was resurrected, he created a pathway from earth to heaven and he himself is that pathway. And therefore we get to experience the miraculous from the supernatural realm in the natural world where we live now. That is what we get as children of the great father. How many of us are asking for that? I've been battling a naturalistic state of mind for a really long time. I like to, I like to study, I like to find proofs, I, everything has to have a natural explanation. But I'm going to tell you guys right now, science can explain the natural. It cannot explain the supernatural. Scientists will say that beyond the universe, there's nothing else. But because of this, I know that that's not true. I love what science says about our natural world. I love what this says about the supernatural. Because I don't want to just know the what, I want to know the why, and the why is in this book. In a couple of weeks, John David Vasquez, our worship pastor, is gonna be talking to you guys about the messianic miracles. And the beautiful point of that is that mankind created this list of things that they demanded to see from the Messiah in order to believe that he was the Messiah. Jesus didn't have to do any of those things, but he chose to do them because he loved us, and he knew that if he did them, we would believe even though there were still some hard headed <laughs> that rejected him, they still did not believe after that. Jesus gave us all that we asked for and so much more. So much more. The last verse in the book of John, 21 25, this verse is just kind of an exclamation point on the entire book about signs. It says, Jesus did many other things as well. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have room for the books that would be written. This is coming from John. This hyperbole, there wouldn't even be room in the world for the books that would be written by the miracles that Jesus performed. I'm giving you these seven so that you will believe. That's so good. I wanna know what all the other ones were. Honestly, because these seven were so magnificent. If there's more that could fill all the books in the world, I would love to know what those are. He did more than enough so that we would believe. And I'm not here to convince you guys that miracles exist because we have a very historically accurate document that says that they do. What I am here to ask of you is that you would increase your expectation for the miraculous. Can we do that as a church? People ask me, well, do you believe in miracles? And I say, absolutely, without a doubt, I do. And it's not because I've checked my brain at the door, it's because I've experienced a miracle. And I wanna share that testimony with you today. In 2018, My mom was diagnosed with cancer. And it was a heartbreaking diagnosis. It was a rare type of cancer. We spent weeks and weeks at MD Anderson trying to figure out what this thing was, how we were going to fix it. And I remember getting a phone call from my dad one night where he said, this could be really bad. This could be really bad. And I was still in my 30s at the time. I don't wanna lose my mother. I had two young children. So I start, in my own brilliance, researching all the medical possibilities. What are all the things we could do, nutrition and treatments? Full disclosure, it did not occur to me to pray. Mm. I'm sorry to say that, but I went into my naturalistic point of view. Then our prayer pastor, Chris Tapkin, calls me and he says, Hey, Lauren, why don't you bring your mom down to ACF and we can lay hands on her and we can anoint her with oil and pray for healing? And honestly, I think my response was, "Well, we're we're Southern Baptists. We don't we don't do that kind of thing. Like, just pray from her from afar. Like, let's not get weird, right?" Um, but he like chris scolded me a little bit, so I brought my mom. And my dad. It was very funny to see them in the group of all these people laying hands on my mom, praying. Some of them in tongues, pouring biblical oils over her head. I, I thought my parents were never going to come back to my church. But that was on a Sunday. On a Wednesday, I went to ACF Women Prayer Study or not prayer study, Bible study. And I as I was preparing that morning for the Bible study. I remember finally telling God, I'm like, you know what, God? I believe that you can do this. I, I actually believe that you can. Like, I'm sorry I didn't believe it before, but if you wanted to, you could speak this cancer away. And God told me in that moment, thank you for acknowledging I have the power to do this. I didn't know if he was gonna do it or not, but when I went to Bible study that morning, my phone rang and my mom's picture popped up on my caller id and the girl sitting next to me said she's going to tell you that she doesn't have cancer anymore and i was like "I, i i think you're right so i took the phone call and my mom said hey you know we're at md anderson and i said well how'd your appointment go and she said the doctors can't find the cancer anymore And at first I was like, well, how does this happen? This is MD Anderson. They're the most brilliant, they're the best. She said, well, this morning they looked at the slides again and they said they must have misread the slides. And I said, no, 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 they did not misread the slides. God changed the cells that were on those slides because he's a God who answers prayers. Let's not diminish what he did by trying to explain it. And she got to walk out of the hospital no treatment, no chemo, no radiation. Like She's just cancer-free. I know that God answers prayers. I know that God still does the miraculous. I'm not gonna try to explain it away. I'm asking you guys to believe with me, to swing for the fences in your prayers with me, to keep an eye open to the signs that are around you for what God is doing. He's looking for our attention. He's looking for our faith. And then he wants us to go tell the world. The band is up here and we are going to um, have a response time. And I just want to invite our prayer partners to come to the front during this time. If you guys want to be prayed for, our prayer partners will be here and they can pray over you. If you just want to come to the front, if you're waiting on God, you need him to move, I invite you to come to the front, bow down before him. Listen for what he wants to say to you. I don't want us to miss this moment. I don't want us to miss a miracle. I thank you guys for listening. Be expectant for what God is going to do, church.